Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, senior pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we have spent time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Thanks, Ruth. And I want to let you know we appreciate the great response we've had to the first four seasons of the podcast. And we would love to bring more seasons and expand what we're doing with the podcast. But all those things take financial resources. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, we invite you to become a monthly patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com and searching for Strengthening the Soul of your leadership podcast. Steve, what is Patreon? I don't even know what that is. Oh my gosh, you're such a Luddite. <laughs> I know. Just enlighten me, please. Patreon <clears throat> is a great way that people who listen to you and who love the Ministry of Transforming Center and who've gotten things out of this podcast to be able to give $2 a month, $5 a month or more, and they get they get bonus content from you, Ruth, that no one else gets. Exclusive <laughs> Wonderful. bonus content. There's no downside to that, is there? There is no, no downside. downside. So go to patreon.com, everybody. Search for Ruth Haley Barton or Strengthen the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. And please join us by becoming a monthly patron. Welcome back to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership with Ruth Haley Barton. My name is Steve Weens. Uh, we are talking all about solitude and silence. And as we mentioned last episode, it's it's something that on the one hand we desire, on the other hand, it's a little scary. Mm -hmm. So how does someone yeah. begin? Well, we begin by paying attention to desire. And sometimes as we pay attention to desire, we realize that it's more like desperation. Uh, or our desire deepens into desperation, the more we're willing to pay attention to it. And that's exactly where Elijah was. He was in a very desperate place. And even though he had experienced God on the mountaintop in a very public way, he was pretty emptied out on the inside. And I believe he was desperate for an encounter with God that was more intimate than what we experience when we're in public. And it, we really are so grateful that God shows up, you know, for us as pastors and leaders when God actually does something in and through our leadership. But then there's also often this desire for something that's more intimate, more personal for oh, yeah. me that meets my own sense of emptiness and desperation. So I encourage people to not run from this feeling of desire and desperation, even when it's uncomfortable, because most of us would like to medicate that pretty quickly, you know, but Elijah didn't, he leaves his life in the company of others and he settles down under the solitary broom tree and he really does let himself feel the full weight of his desperation. So we know he's exhausted, so he can't go any longer. Um, and it says that he says to the Lord, it's, a, it's enough now, oh God, you can just take my life. So if that's not desperation in the life of a leader, I don't know what is when yeah. you are so disillusioned with your life and so emptied out that you say to God, you know, you can just take me now because I am so done. And that's what happens for Elijah. And so even though it's very extreme, what happens for Elijah is that in his desperation, he actually gives up which is actually a good thing, even though it does sound extreme, uh, just to ask God to take your life. What he's actually saying is, I'm giving up control to you now, God. What most needs to be done in my life, only you can do. And especially for those of us who are, are achievers and activistic leaders, to get to the point where we now know that what needs to be done in our lives, God's gonna have to do, it's really, really powerful place to get to. And it is uncomfortable, but now we've created space for God to come in and do something that only God can do. And so when we give up control, guess who gets to be in control? Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
God gets to be in control now of our destinies and of uh, how we move forward. Do you think, Ruth, in, in your as you've explored people that, that get to this place of desperation, there's a giving up that is so good and that's the gateway mm-hmm. to everything you just talked about. Yeah. And yet people feel like failures. Um, people feel like I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I have to quit. I have to give yeah. up. I have to. Right. And so instead of seeing it as this threshold mm-hmm. into something beautiful, we can tend to uh, let failure absolutely overcome us. And I think Elijah's getting there. I mean, yeah. when, when he says, I'm the only prophet left. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so dramatic. Right. How do you just help people breathe a little bit yeah. and say, no, this is a good place. It's hard. Yeah. But. Well, for me, finding Elijah in the biblical yeah. story was what really helped me because when my spiritual director was suggesting that I enter into a more substantive experience of solitude and silence, I was kind of nervous. Like, yeah. am I falling off the Christian path? Am I falling into new age stuff? Am I, you know, am I becoming a Buddhist? Like what's going on here? And so seeing that Elijah, even in the midst of his success, came to this place where he was done mm-hmm. actually was the best thing that could have encouraged me at the time that I was in really good company yeah. having come to that place in my life. And then of course I realized that all the great ones of our faith at some moment have been knocked off their horse, if you will, the apostle Paul, Moses, Jesus. I mean, every great leader goes through these times when they realize that they've come to the end of themselves and they have to open themselves to the greater thing, which is God himself working in and through us. And it is a pivotal place in the leadership journey, I think, to come to the end of oneself so that we can open to God in a deeper way. I agree. Uh, And it, so Elijah withdrew and he withdrew from Mm -hmm. everybody and so it's one thing to withdraw from the noise of people and maybe even ministry. It's another thing to, att- to attempt to quiet the noise mm-hmm. of our own thoughts, our own strivings, our own compulsions. So how does the practice of silence help us mm-hmm. do that? Yeah. Well, you know, um, it would be helpful probably to define our terms right, at this moment. Good. So solitude by definition is the practice in which we withdraw from our life in the company of others in order to be with God and God alone. And Henry Nouwen says that without solitude, it is virtually impossible to have a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. Isn't that stunning? Yeah. I mean, when you think of the fact that many of us these days don't ever take time for solitude and silence, what now and is saying is that that means we don't have a spiritual life. Why is that? Well, because we're not listening to the voice of God in our lives. Whatever it is that we're doing is not all that connected with the presence of God. It's more connected to our human activism and our striving and whatever it is we're trying to get done from a human point of view. So solitude is the very definition of a spiritual life because it is that place where we're present to God and God alone. Now, silence is associated with solitude, but it's not exactly the same thing. Silence is actually now withdrawing not only from our life in the company of others, but also withdrawing from our addiction to noise and to words and to activity. So that's withdrawing from an inner addiction, if you will, from that inner way of shoring ourselves up and thinking really hard about stuff and trying to get something done and trying to distract ourselves with the noise that we're able to distract ourselves with. And so in silence, we actually withdraw from even that and it's a very receptive posture. So silence is very much about being receptive to the guidance of God, being receptive to what God wants to do in and through us, as opposed to us bringing all the human effort and activity. And that's the more challenging part, actually. I actually think silence is more challenging than solitude. 
Um, because in solitude, we can still fill it up with stuff that yeah. we want to do. And we can still fill it up with the ways that we try to take control of our lives. But in solitude, we're in silence, we're letting go of all that. Dallas Willard has this amazing quote where he says that silence is frightening because it, it reminds us of death. It casts us upon the stark reality of our life. Um, and it casts us on the stark reality of what's really there between me and God. And what happens if there's nothing between me and God? You know, like I'm out there doing all this stuff for God, but the truth is there's not much there in terms of relationship with God. And for a leader in particular, a Christian leader in particular to admit that, wow. Um, and so that's, that's the frightening part of silence is that we're facing the emptiness and facing what's there and what maybe isn't there between me and God in the context of my life and ministry and how dependent we are perhaps on the ministry itself to feel full you know, even though the relationship with God perhaps has slipped significantly. Oh, and that's such a hard mm -hmm. thing to try to even differentiate. Mm -hmm. Although even as I say that, when you begin to feel that desperation mm -hmm. for something better mm -hmm. than the accolades from ministry yeah. or the, the latest sermon, right. you, I, I know what that feels like to feel really like to, to want that. Mm -hmm. But yes. I also, uh, Ruth, I'm such an achiever. <laughs> that I want to make silence and solitude about succeeding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I made it 10 mm -hmm. minutes. Uh, and <laughs> Or I had this fabulous experience oh that I can now God. preach about, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Or just slip into mm -hmm. a conversation. That's right. You know, when yeah. I was in my silence. That's today. right. <laughs> oh my Lord. Uh, but uh, so without beating myself up, mm -hmm. judging that feeling of wanting to succeed, how do we get past the mindset so that we can that mindset of mm -hmm. achieving so that we can let God actually do mm -hmm. what only God can do. Right. Well, I think it's so very important in solitude and silence to leave outcomes to God mm -hmm. and to say that whatever happens or doesn't happen is up to God because God's the one who's in control. So even if it feels like nothing's happening, it's God's, it's not mine. And I'm not trying to make anything happen. And whatever it was for that 10 minutes or however long we're being with God in that way, whatever it was, was what God intended for it to be for us. And it's enough. And so we, I, to me, that's the most important way of allowing God to be God, even in those 10 minutes, um, whatever it did or didn't happen. And we don't judge ourselves. We don't go back over it and say, well, nothing happened or that doesn't work for me or I'm terrible at this solitude thing. <laughs> we really refuse to do judging um, about what it was or what it wasn't. And we let it be in God's hands. And that is a really important discipline for those of us who are used to evaluating and achieving and making something happen and then evaluating whether something important enough actually happened, that we say no to that in the practice of solitude and silence. And even that is very restful. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So can we get a little even more practical now about beginning? Let's say someone's carved out an hour mm -hmm. and they know it's going to be quiet. Mm -hmm. They know they're going to be by themselves. How do they start? Where and when? And how should we start doing this? Or should we put our phone in the other room? Mm. Should we make sure the kids mm. are asleep? Should we leave our house? Is it okay to go for a walk? Mm. Uh, all these things. Well, first of all, Steve, you're already overachieving. An hour is way <laughs> too much. Right. So the best thing my spiritual director did for me was to just talk to me about a 10-minute period of time. Yeah. Now, it could be that there were other things that I would be doing, but 
um, she invited me to start with just 10 minutes. And that, while actually in her office, felt quite doable. But then when I got into it, it was actually very challenging. So first of all, start with a modest goal. Start with something that you can actually do. Um, And so I say 10 minutes. Start with 10 minutes. Even that's kind of remedial, by the way, because in the whole practice of centering prayer, if you want to talk in those terms, um, the sits are usually 20 minutes, but I couldn't have done 20 minutes yeah. in the beginning. So let's just go with what we can do. So yes, you make sure your phone's not with you. You're giving God your full and undivided attention. You're not giving anyone else a chance to interrupt it or intrude upon it. Um, I suggest identifying a sacred space if possible in your home or, a, um, a little chapel. If there's a chapel that's open during the day and it's near you or a place in a park outside, if you like, or some place that feels quiet and peaceful just by entering into it. And so in this chapter, chapter two, I actually encourage people to think about creating a sacred space so that when you enter into that space, your whole self starts to settle down a little bit. Um, then I actually encourage people to think about the position of their body. And so I'll encourage people to, you know, uncross their legs and maybe even to put their hands open on their laps, um, to breathe deeply as another way of coming in touch with the spirit of God deep within and the body as a sacred space. Um, and then, um, I invite people to listen for a very simple prayer. That's maybe four to six syllables that we could call a breath prayer. And that when we enter in, we use that prayer to help us to enter in. When we get distracted, we, we actually pray the prayer rather than fighting with our distract distractions. We actually utilize that prayer to bring us back to our original intent. Uh, for me, the little prayer that I used at, at the beginning was just, here I am, Lord. So usually it's a simple phrase connected with a name for God that's meaningful to us right now. So I actually had this very simple prayer because I didn't know very much about what I was doing. All I knew was that I wanted to be present to God. So here I am, Lord, just felt very, very true. So I would breathe in and out and on the inhale, here I am. And on the exhale, I would just give the name for the Lord. And so here I am, Lord, and I would just breathe that. And then I would enter into the stillness. And then when distractions would come and distractions always come, all of us are distracted. So don't feel guilty and don't fight. Instead, just bring yourself back to your intention to be present with God, uh, with your breath prayer, the, the prayer that God has given you or that expresses your desire. Um, and I, I encourage you to use a timer. So you can, you know, you could maybe put your, pl- your, your phone on airplane mode so that no, no one's going to yeah. come into that space, but you can use your phone as a timer, um, or some other way, an alarm clock, just anything like that. And that way you don't have to think about time. And the other thing is that for many people, it actually helps to close your eyes. So you don't want to have to be peeking at a clock or something like that, but to be able to close your eyes or to light a candle and just watch the flame, um, anything that feels sacred to you and helps to ground you in the reality that you're being present to some sort of a spiritual symbol an icon or something like that. Anything that helps you to be present, you can introduce into that space. Um, and then when it's over, when the 10 minutes is over or the 20 minutes or the half an hour, however much you've, you've given to this, then I can actually suggest that you maybe pray the Lord's prayer to bring you mm-hmm. out, to bring you back into the realm of words. Use these great words that Jesus gave us when he taught his disciples how to pray and let those be the words that bring us out. Hmm. So we, we, we have a space that we return to. Mm-hmm. Might be a chair, a comfortable yep. chair. We right. have a posture that we pay attention mm-hmm. to where we're comfortable, but we're not, maybe we're not laying down. Right. So, so we don't want to fall asleep if possible. <laughs> yeah, um, but if we do, mm-hmm. let's not judge that. Um, we find... A, a breath prayer maybe mm-hmm. we come in with one that we know or maybe we wait mm-hmm. for one to emerge that could happen as distracting thoughts come mm-hmm. we 
trying not to get all anxious about that. Actually, when I do it, I, I actually, maybe this is a an achievement thing, but I, I try to smile. I mean, mm-hmm. I actually try to go uh, like almost mm-hmm. a, like I would do a little kid, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're mm-hmm. so cute. Um, and, and you are, Steve. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> so cute. Is this a time to tell God anything? Mm-hmm. No, um, I think that there are many other prayer method, methods that we can add to this, um, our, whatever we want to do with scripture, but I suggest starting with this silent presence to God. That way you're allowing God to take initiative with you rather than you taking initiative with God. And then whatever comes out of that, like you can move out of this silent time into intercessory prayer or into prayer with words. But right now we're letting go of thoughts and words and agendas, anything that we're bringing so that we can be open and receptive to God's initiation with us. And then coming out of that time, then we can move into prayer with words. We can move into intercessions. We can move into articulating our own prayers and concerns for our own lives to God. Um, we can move into a reflective way of being with scripture. We can move into a time of self-examination. We can add other practices in, but to begin with silence, lets the inner chaos settle. It actually, I think, um, creates openness and receptiveness to God so that then whatever comes after is done in a more receptive way as opposed to a human agenda sort of way. Okay, so Ruth, we are letting go of a whole lot, Mm -hmm. which I'm a little uncomfortable with. (laughs) Not really, but really. What is it that is happening in this silence? Well, it's really beautiful because in silence, we're learning how to release our agendas. We're learning how to let go of control. We're learning how to be more open, receptive, willing with God. Um, we create space for God's activity rather than our own. And it's going to take practice. The only way to, to learn how to do this is through practice. So Basil Pennington has a wonderful quote where I think he says it so well. He says that God is infinitely patient. He will not push himself into our lives. He knows the greatest thing he has given us is our freedom. If we want habitually, even exclusively to operate from the level of our own reason, he will respectfully keep silence. We can keep filling ourselves with our own thoughts and ideas and images and feelings. He will not interfere. But if we invite him with attention, opening the inner space with silence, he will speak to our souls, not in words or concepts, but in the mysterious way that love expresses itself by presence. That's what's happening Mm. in these moments. Um, And I think we need to learn how to receive it. We need to learn how to let it be and how to recognize it when it comes. Receiving presence. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Well, would you lead us through a practice Mm -hmm. as we close out this episode? Yes. So Steve, I want to lead us in the actual process of becoming quiet for the first time, maybe for some of us in God's presence. So again, you're going to have to pull over if you're driving. You just can't do this one while you're driving. But I would I would really encourage you to find a chair that's comfortable for you, that gives you the ability to sit straight and alert in God's presence. So we want to be comfortable, but we want to also be in a, in alert presence so we don't fall asleep. So I love a chair that helps me to keep my back straight. Um, that that's a posture of openness to God. It's a posture of alertness, feet flat on the floor. It's a way of just opening up your temple, you know, your body, which is a temple for prayer, Uh, uncrossing legs and arms actually helps you to be open to God. You might want to open your hands on your lap as a way of letting go of your grip. Psalm 46, 10 talks about letting go, being still, um, letting go of your grip and knowing experientially that God is God's biblical basis for what we're doing 
Um, so open your hands as a prayer posture, releasing what you usually cling to, opening to what God wants to give. Go ahead and breathe deeply as a way of opening yourself to God. Maybe for this time together, we'll just use the little prayer that I already mentioned in this episode. Here I am, Lord. Let's pray that several times. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. And now we sit openly and receptively to God. distractions come, use that little prayer again. Here I am, Lord, to bring you back to your original intent. as a way of staying in touch with the Spirit of God who is closer than our breath. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, and we are grateful you spent the last 30 minutes with us. If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation. I was a part of Transforming Community Number 6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. Transforming Community is a practice-based spiritual formation journey with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community is designed to integrate your spirituality and leadership, helping you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, we would love to hear from you, and there are three ways that you can respond. One is going to patreon.com, search for Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast, and you can become a monthly patron at various levels. Second is that you can share your favorite episode with friends. And third is you can go onto iTunes and leave a rating 
and review. To find out more about the Transforming Community Experience or to apply, go to transformingcenter.org. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. May your nearness know.